0: Hi friends, welcome to the Connected Families podcast. I'm Stacey Bellward, your host. This podcast is here to guide you towards God's grace and truth for you so that you can pass God's grace and truth on to your children. Well, I have a question for you today. Do you require immediate obedience from your kids? Does God require immediate obedience from our children? And what does the Bible say about obedience? Well, today's podcast is on another of the ingredients of the Connected Families special sauce. It's the way we think about immediate obedience. We covered other ingredients in our last two episodes. One was on connection before correction, and the other was about being a safe parent. Well, with me today is Jim and Lynn Jackson, co founders of Connected Families. Welcome, Lynn. Hey, good to be here. Yeah. Hi, Jim. Welcome. Hi Stacey. Good to have you here today well, it's good talking to be here about always. great to be at the microphones again. Today we have kind of a hot button topic. <laughs> and <laughs> we that's for sure. <laughs> and we tend to think about this topic of immediate obedience a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Lynn, as you have coached hundreds of parents, what type of questions have parents asked you about immediate or first time obedience? Well, oftentimes they
1: start out by asking, how do I get to my child to obey right away? And then as we talk about that more, then sometimes they start to question, is this really the best goal in my parenting or not? And how could I think about this more thoughtfully than just how can I get, boom, compliance quick now? So it's often a process of wrestling with this issue.
0: But it's often what they come to us first. How can I get my child to obey when I say it's time for bed? Absolutely. I said brush your teeth. I want you to go brush your teeth right now. Mm
2: -hmm. And Stacey, you said something that I want to call out because it's what parents say. How do I get my child to obey? Yes. And whenever we hear parents say or whenever we hear ourselves say, how do I get a person to do X, Y, or Z? I just want to say out loud that there's sort of a manipulative bent to that. Like Mm -hmm. how do I get another person to do this thing? Mm -hmm. So it's up to me to do the getting and then I have to do it right in order to get the, the result I'm looking for. So it's really about what I want to get versus about what's best for another human being. I don't want to downplay for a second the importance of our obedience to God or of our children's obedience to us. But I think that the way that we tend to think about it is much more through this sort of selfish, manipulative lens than through this bigger picture lens of how God inspires obedience in his children.
0: We have a lot to unpack mm-hmm. in this podcast today, and I I loved that as intro. I mean, this topic of immediate obedience or first-time obedience was certainly the way that I was raised. I can remember the phrase, delayed obedience is disobedience mm-hmm. being repeated. I had to be moving like immediately or else, (laughs) you know, something was coming. You know, my parents had really, really good intentions. They felt like they needed to teach us to obey immediately. Mm -hmm. So that we were ready when God asked us to do something that we would obey Him. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. I feel like what we really want to do today is communicate the biblical basis for what we believe and what that really looks like Mm -hmm. in daily life. So here's kind of how I want to start off too. I want to ask you guys the question because I know that your thinking around this has really changed. So when you were young parents in your early parenting days, did you demand immediate obedience? What did that look like, and how did that play out?
2: You know, the phrase that you referenced, delayed obedience is disobedience, and there was a lot of pressure about that from different people in our circles to honor this idea. And, you know, we had our first child was easy for a year or so, and then he became quite challenging pretty fast, and we were in this sort of ebb and flow push. Pull and I, in the back of my mind, always had this phrase, and it pressured me to get him to obey and then it would cause frustration because now I have a goal for what I want in order to be okay which is my child's obedience and it's getting blocked so I would get frustrated because I wasn't getting my way when my child was disobedient and then I would push him but there was a part of me when I was doing that that it felt it just didn't feel right it didn't, I didn't feel comfortable with that Lynn and I would talk about it and it's like what is this whole thing about and where does spanking fit in or does it and, and you know we sought help and we sought the wisdom of the people that we were trying to listen to, and we didn't
1: really get a satisfying answer. And I felt like I went through a huge transformation with this as well. You know, initially just wanting that control, wanting that obedience, feeling like if I was doing a good job, my kids should be obeying all the time. Mm -hmm. And that was such a setup for frustration because all they had to do was, you know, be a little slow or a little sassy or a little lazy in their (laughs) response. Mm -hmm. And it would spark me with anger because that was my Mm -hmm. goal, to Mm -hmm. get them to obey right away. I went through a lot of deep... (laughs) <laughs> spiritual experiences of just learning who I was in Christ, of some prayer time, of just looking in God's Word. And the more I learned to just love myself and be in relationship with the Father, the more I stepped into real authority as a parent, and I let go of the drive for control and immediate mm-hmm. obedience.
2: Y- yeah. And I think what, what you're saying, Lynn, I relate to, too, just in my own journey. I-, I recognize that my efforts to get my child to obey were themselves disobedient. I was doing it out of selfishness. I was doing Mm it out of anger. I was doing it out of my own frustration without taking my thoughts captive to Christ's obedience. Mm -hmm. I wasn't bringing the fruit of the spirit to my efforts to get my children to obey. I was bringing the energy of my selfishness and my sin Mm -hmm. and I wasn't accountable for it. And I justified it in the name of this teaching. And I recognized that I was disenfranchising my children and I didn't want to do that. And so Mm -hmm. the work was not how do I do a better job of getting them to obey? The work was how do I acknowledge my own selfishness in this? Mm -hmm. How do I acknowledge my own disobedience in this? If I'm not offering the kind of parenting that I'm offering by the means of the spirit that's within me, then I'm sinning against my children. I'm living according to the nature in my flesh. And I think there's far too little accountability to us as parents to this dynamic of self-examination in all of this. Mm
1: -hmm. And I've had some sweet coaching experiences with couples with dads in particular in the last few months of dads just recognizing. I realize I've been doing dominance parenting and control and fear-based parenting and just you know just the kind of the eye-opening oh and that just shuts down relationship and I want to really be in a sweeter and deeper relationship with my child and lead them towards wise behavior Mm -hmm. and I think that kind of Typifies the change in me too in the early parenting as I start to get excited about leading my child towards wisdom and thoughtful responses and building biblical values that would make them not want to do hurtful, selfish, irresponsible things. That was a huge shift mm-hmm. for both of us. But we've, you know, I'm sure that we've talked about this verse before on podcasts. But it's a favorite. It's Luke one seventeen, which is John the Baptist's job description. And it says, and he will come in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to. Obedience. No, no. That's <laughs> 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 not the, it. That's not it. <laughs> to the wisdom of the righteous. righteous. And so when parents get inspired and excited about growing the wisdom of the righteous, the wisdom that says, oh, God's ways are like honey to us to Mm -hmm. keep us on a good path in life. That's a whole different effort and energy and vision than I want to see if I can get immediate obedience so my kids look really shiny and impressive Mm -hmm. out in public. And so I feel good about my efforts in front of my peers. Right. And so my life is convenient and easy and comfortable.
0: I mean, I just have to say something right here because I just feel like I I don't know what I just feel I had a moment. It was almost like healing for me to hear you articulate that because I feel like we have justified sinful behavior from parents in the name of requiring immediate obedience. (laughs) And so that's a hurtful thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For kids to be raised in that And even so even parents Nowadays like Lynn just said That dominant and that fear Sometimes it comes out not in the name of Immediate obedience but just they don't know What to do but either way It's hurtful to mm-hmm. kids and it's Separating to them so you talked About Luke one seventeen Just now I wonder if there's if we could dive More into the biblical basis For what we believe About immediate obedience or we Call it first time obedience <laughs> Either one, same thing. That's less of a tongue twister. Yes, right.
2: (laughs) Well, Jesus commands us, if you love me, obey my commands. Mm -hmm. I love that that verse doesn't start by saying, obey me. Mm -hmm. It says, if you love me. So there's the implication, there's the context for obedience of a deep love relationship. That's in John chapter 14. And at the end of the chapter, he talks about his battle is against Satan, who he says has no hold over him, but has come into the world so that the world may learn that I love the Father. And do exactly what my father commanded me. Exactly. So here's the model of immediate obedience. It's Jesus. Why was Jesus immediately, totally, effectively obedient? Because of a deep trust for the father, a deep love from and for the father, a deep intimacy of shared purpose that was cleanly, clearly understood by Jesus. That's what produced his obedience. That was the context. And this fullness of love, you know, we miss it. We say, well, I'm, I'm doing this for your own good, or this is going to hurt me even worse than it's going to hurt you. <laughs> and we don't really mean that when we say it, but uh-huh. we say it as a, a sort of a power position. But I think that, you know, the examination, again, of our hearts and our, are my efforts to compel you toward obedience. Are those coming out of my flesh a little bit? And it's almost never an either or. It's a both and because we are not Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are human. And we yeah, you know we thanks. drag around yeah. the baggage of the flesh and our parenting is not perfectly redeemed. And so I would like to offer that I was never able to demand immediate obedience out of a perfectly pure, clean heart.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's really telling that we have had... Dozens, if not hundreds of parents ask us about how to get obedience, but we have never had parents ask us, how can I model obedience effectively to my kids? We have also never had parents ask, how can I teach kids to love God in a way that really helps them to obey God? And so the absence of these two questions in (laughs) 20 plus years of helping parents Mm -hmm. really is, it challenges us to look beneath the surface. And another great verse that is just what you're talking about, Jim, is 1 John 5, 3 says, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. And so that's talking about that connected relationship and seeing the wisdom of the righteous where we would want to do his commands. They're not burdensome, they're Mm life-giving. And do our kids see that that Mm -hmm. way? Do they see respect as Mm life-giving, or do they see respect as something that if I have this tone that my parents don't particularly like, Mm -hmm. or if I don't hop to right away, then I get an angry word and a punishment. Mm -hmm. What flows from that is not going to be true biblical obedience. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, we talk about the difference between compliance and obedience. Mm -hmm. Obedience is is a matter of our heart. Compliance is a matter of our behavior. We can force kids to behave in certain ways based on the, the rewards, the punishments, the different things that we put in place. And we can think to ourselves, hey, that's immediate obedience, when in fact it's not because a child's heart has not been captured, their wisdom has not been grown, their understanding of the whys behind all of this is still lacking.
0: And it strikes me that – I can't remember the verses, but didn't Jesus tell the Pharisees that their works were like filthy rags?
2: Oh. Yeah, woe to you Pharisees. Mm-hmm. You clean the outside of the cup, <laughs> mm-hmm. but the inside is gone to waste.
0: So I, I don't need you to be fancy and shiny. That's not what I want. But right. he did say in other places if you love me, you will keep my commands. Mm -hmm. So Jesus tells the
1: parable of the the prodigal son where the father funds the rebellion of his son because he was willing to risk and Mm -hmm. maybe even expected that when the son came to his senses after having disobeyed flagrantly, that he would come back into real true relationship Mm -hmm. with the father. And he also sets up a great description of who looked like they obeyed and they were the second son the older brother and there's a great book prodigal god by tim keller that really dives into just the the sin of trying to look shiny to get god to do what we want
0: what rich conversation we've already had i'm going to toss this to a commercial and we'll keep going with this conversation after that Over the past few weeks, you've been hearing about our Discipline That Connects With Your Child's Heart online course. We just want to take a minute here and let you know that today is the last day to register. The course began last week and hundreds of parents are already transforming their parenting for good. If you feel like discipline and misbehavior is driving a wedge between you and your child, join us this fall. You'll learn how to use discipline as a chance to connect with your child's heart. We'll close registration on Tuesday, October 12th. The next time we offer the course is February 2022. So I hope you join us today. Your kids will thank you. Okay, well we're back from the break and it strikes me that there's probably a lot of you listening that have a lot of questions rolling around in your mind around this idea because I know that immediate obedience that concept, you know, is familiar to many people and there there's a lot of questions about it. Hey, if you have more questions, I just want to invite you to connect with us, right? Any questions in the comments on the podcast or send us an email, go to our website. There's going to be more information in our show notes. So we would love to connect with you. But now I'd like to just keep moving on in our podcast. And I have a question for you, Jim and Lynn. It's this, when we parents discipline out of our own selfishness, what does that look like? I know we've mentioned some, Mm -hmm. you know, you just described some of it at the beginning of the podcast, Jim. It's controlling, we've talked about. But to say more about that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, I think when I become demanding of something,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that could look a lot of different ways. I mean, I learned over time to look more sophisticated in my demands. <laughs> so sure. my my disobedience was harder to spot, even though my children's still was not.
1: We <laughs> called it sin management. I remember
2: one time Lynn and I were laying awake in the morning like you do, and we're talking and the kids are still in bed. And I was like, honey, I'm just wondering, am I being transformed with a new mind by the person of Jesus Christ or am I just learning to be a better sin man? we there was no quick answer to that I oh, mean no. I think that the older we get the easier it is to make our behaviors look good like yeah. the Pharisees mm-hmm. even when our motives are still ever selfish mm-hmm. and all about me so what it looks like though is you'd probably have to have a brain scan to see it at the first level for me now and that is that the part of your brain that lights up with those negative stress chemicals lights up when I'm not getting what I want I've learned in my old age you know I can still stay calm and I I can still have a little wry smile. And, you know, only those who know me best know that I'm just managing sin. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, as a younger parent, it looked like loudness. It looked like unwillingness to look inward. It looked like almost sometimes irrational demands and consequences. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a young dad pounding my fist on the table to motivate my children to obey me at once.
0: Okay, I have to pause just a second right there, right? Because it sounded like you were talking negatively about you were able to have the wry smile and just be quiet and only people who knew you knew you were managing sin. Sounds like you've done the work to catch yourself from misbehavior. I'm air quoting that. So isn't that good? Well,
2: you know, I don't think it's as simple as good or bad or right or wrong. I think it's still, what I can say is that if you, were ha- if you had a, the brain scan, that's why I started with the brain scan. My brain probably wouldn't look all that different than it did when I was young. I've just learned how to put sophistication around my sin in yeah. order to get my way in a more compelling or sophisticated way, but it's still selfish. So there's where taking my thoughts, my actions are captive to Christ's obedience is just such an important work, even more important now than ever.
1: I think it has to do a lot with really what's going on in our heart. And if we're just as disgusted with our child, but it's it's more in a sort of a condescension like honey, you know, this is wrong, you know, that kind of a thing, shaming and condescending. And that's still just as sinful, even though we're not, we've learned not to lose it with our child. So it's those questions, what's going on with me and what's going on in my child? Mm -hmm. Am I really condescending towards my child right now? Or am I truly have a heart for them, for Mm -hmm. their growth, for their learning? And do I understand also? Do I have some insight into what's going on with them? Mm -hmm. Are they on total sensory emotional overload right now where their brain is inflamed and the chances of them responding with obedience are just minute? Mm -hmm. Am I aware of that? Am I trying to diminish the stressors on them so they have a reasonable chance to obey me Mm -hmm. in this tough situation? Mm -hmm. So it's those kinds of awareness things of internal awareness of what's going on with me. (laughs) I mean, when we look at our own
2: in, it's a deep
1: well. Yeah, and it, it's never-ending, right? It, it's and not it's like you get ending. over it. So, like, Stacey, you, <laughs>
2: but your question is a fair one. Isn't it progress to at least act a little bit more respecting toward my child? Hold my as tongue, kinder, to quiet. My, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so I don't want to say yes. Because then that that doesn't examine the motive of it all. You know, we've all seen the, you know, whatever, you you name the melodrama TV show through history and Mm -hmm. there's always that, that slick, sly, (laughs) con (laughs) person, manipulative who just almost in seductive ways gets their way all the time. But you know that at the core they're evil. Like they depict it, <laughs> they depict it so you know so obviously yes. in the TV shows. Well, all of us have that capacity, yeah. and to say for a minute that we've overcome it, or that we don't, or that we're you know we've reached. Full, yeah. I'm the humblest guy I know because I finally have <laughs> reached. <laughs> You know, the fullness of my humility in Christ. (laughs) None of us ever quite arrive. Now, are we improving? Are we getting better? Are we noticing that I'm uh, like, I want to yell right now, but I know that's disrespectful. So I'm going to back away from that and I'm not going to yell. That's an important step. It's important movement. But my, you know, again, the brain, what's going on inside of me is (laughs) not all that different. So Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. where the self-examination part is so critical.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like learning to ask the question, am I self-controlled right now mm-hmm. because I really love my child or am I self-controlled because I figure that's the best way to get them to do what I want them to do?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's zing. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that is zing. Well, and I would just like to say is if there's someplace in the middle that is growing me mm-hmm. towards having more space to really learn to care about what's going on under the surface in my child. Then go for it. It's mm-hmm. baby steps. Okay, but we kind of took a little bit of a detour there, but I liked it.
2: Detours with Jim and Lynn. Yes, <laughs> nice we podcast. love them and That's we good. do them a often. Whole podcast
0: in and of itself. <laughs> we we do them often, but okay. So I want to get to this idea of how we exasperate our children. Often, I think we exasperate our children when we're demanding immediate obedience. So there's, there's the diving board. You guys yeah. dive into that concept. As
2: far as we can tell, when you examine the scriptures and you look for commands directly, obviously, specifically for parents only, mm-hmm. and in the New Testament, it's actually really aimed just at dads. We could argue that contextually today it would work for moms and dads. But the only commands that, that we find absolutely directly only for parents are found in Colossians 3.21 – And And Ephesians Ephesians 6.4. And it says, parents don't exasperate your children, but bring them up. And, you know, the different versions say it differently, but in the training, the nurture, the instruction, the way of the Lord, this whole exasperation piece, that's our verse as parents. And parents so often come to us and they say, my child isn't doing their verse, Ephesians six one: Children, obey your parents sure. and the Lord, for this is right, the only commandment with the promise. And they want to give our best energy to get them the formula they need to force their children to obey without looking at their verse, Ephesians chapter six 4, Don't exasperate your children. So we'll often ask, well, do your children get exasperated by your efforts? They'll say, yeah, they do because they don't want to do what I want them to do. They don't do what I tell them to do. So they, so they get exasperated. That's like, well… Might be, might be that there's something to look at here by way of your verse and the command to you. Because if your children are exasperated by your efforts, could mm-hmm. it be that you're not being obedient yourself? And for a lot of parents, that's like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. It's hard to think about it that way. Because I have a good intention. I want my child to be obedient. I don't want my child to be rebellious. You know, all the things that we hear from parents. They take captive to Christ's obedience the ways of their children, but not their own efforts on the way to it.
0: So I'm hearing some voices in our audience. (laughs) And I'm going to ask this question because then as a parent, how do I not exasperate them? But if I don't require them to obey, aren't I teaching them to be rebellious? And aren't I actually teaching them that it's okay to disobey, right? Am I teaching them it's okay to disobey if they don't have to obey until the third time that I'm now screaming, you know, I said, get to bed. So how do I understand that?
2: Well, I think it's an important question. And I I think at first we have to go back to the notion that each of us is rebellious. (laughs) We're all rebellious. And for us to keep our kids from being rebellious may just be that we're trying to take over for the Holy Spirit in our kids' lives. And so this idea that that my kids are learning to be rebellious, I, I think we may or may not, in a graceful way, may reinforce rebellion. It might. And we ought to be aware of that, conscious of that, thoughtful about that on a whole bunch of different planes. What's it like to be my child when I'm disciplining them? And what kind of conclusions are they drawing from this discipline? What's going on in my heart as I do it? And what might they be perceiving about? me. It's also true that I might be helping them to learn to sit in the guilt of their rebellion and sense, feel, experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not on my terms, but on the Holy Spirit's terms. And that's really how I want to help my child grow in wisdom so that they can understand the whys behind the obedience that I'm asking for. I do my best work around that, not when my children are disobeying, but ahead of time proactively and helping our kids understand the natural impacts of this sort of behavior, that sort of behavior, giving them an opportunity to give voice to that so that I know that they know. (laughs) So that when the disobedience is happening before my eyes, we've got a sort of a, a source substance for the conversation that follows when it's time to address disobedience.
1: Well, and we even saw Jesus illustrate that with a parable about the two sons. Uh, Jesus taught that the son who was initially defiant but then had time to reconsider was the obedient son in the parable in Matthew 21. And the one who said, oh, yeah, I'll obey, but then didn't, was the disobedient son. So Jesus gave the son, Mm -hmm. so to speak, time to reconsider and come to a place of repentance so practically, that might look like, you know, you're, you're usually really a pretty respectful kiddo, but you seem to have a hard time earlier today when I asked you to take out the trash. How are you feeling about that? Mm-hmm. And if you could kind of do that all mm-hmm. over again, what, that, what might that look like? Mm-hmm. You see, you're giving your child time to calm down, think about their behavior, learn from it, and make their own decision about wanting to be more respectful next mm-hmm. time. So I just wanted to make that, I don't know if that hits yeah, uh, what you were saying to make it practical. But I would be wondering as a parent, okay, how might that look?
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, for me, so if you're the child and you got mad that I asked you to take out the garbage and then didn't do it, and, you know, instead of forcing you to do it in the name of immediate obedience, I just let you sort of sit in that for a while and then came to you a little while later and said, so you seem pretty upset when I asked you to take out the garbage.
1: Yeah, I was, in the, I was doing something. You just, yeah.
2: like, interrupted me. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I have a hard time sort of shifting gears sometimes, too. So that makes sense to me. What will happen, do you think, if we keep the garbage here like this? I don't know. You don't know?
1: Well, I suppose it will start to overflow. Yeah, and then? And I don't know, probably stink. I don't know. Somebody yeah, will take stink, it out.
2: bugs. Yeah, you've complained before about how stuff smells. Oh,
1: well, yeah. Yeah,
2: so do you want it to smell in the kitchen? No. No, me either. So what do you want to Do you want to obey now, or do you w- want a consequence for not doing what I've asked you to do?
1: Okay, I'll take it out now. Yeah, it's
2: your job. And when you do it, it blesses the family. So thank you.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when our kids were young, if they sort of blew off something we asked them to do, Mm -hmm. I circled back later and said, so this didn't quite go so well. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to have an extra chance to practice responsibility. Mm -hmm. And they knew, we had talked about it ahead of time, the, the value of learning responsibility and follow through. Yeah. And so it made sense to them when I said, oops, this didn't go so well. Now you're going to have an extra chance to practice responsibility. They had context yeah. for that. And we talked about the whys outside of that immediate yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully we've had that discussion before. Right. And, and the <laughs> parent can just go, "Ah, oh, you know, I think we've talked about this. Uh, yeah. what's, what are your thoughts on why? Yeah. And referring them back to that wisdom.
0: That proactive thinking, I think, is really core to mm-hmm. parenting through the framework, which we haven't mentioned today. We mention it almost every podcast, though. It's what we teach at Connected Families. And really, to me, is what um, makes or are not, not – you don't have that situation where you have to say three times, get – to bed, or whatever it is. You've had a family meeting or a little, mm-hmm. you know, one on one, whatever that looks like. And you've already established eight o'clock as bedtime. So you can be calm. Yeah. Calm, cool and collect, you know, as you're asking for that. And there's already been consequences Mm -hmm. established. And the kids know why there's
1: consequences so that they understand that you're for them, not just trying to manage them for your convenience.
0: Yeah. It strikes me that if you're in that place where it's just last minute commands that you want them to do right then, there hasn't been a lot of forethought of What's happening? How you're structuring your day, or what me, you know, what's Man. going on at the moment? So. I'm glad you brought that up, and I
1: do want to say there are times when our kids need to know this is an intense situation that requires immediate obedience, and there will be a quick consequence without that. And so I often talk to parents about letting kids know most of the time we're going to work on learning, building wisdom, practicing Mm -hmm. skills, building values, but there'll be times, and maybe there's a cue word like right now, Mm -hmm. or or even just immediate obedience, or this is a time for obedience or something that they knew, okay, this is different. There's a seriousness mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. that I must obey or there will be a quick, no questions asked consequence, mm-hmm. primarily around safety issues. Yeah. And this is an issue in other cultures where danger that can be on the streets at any moment. And kids need to know the seriousness of obedience in situations like that. Yeah, yeah this is really one good.
2: of those times. Mm-hmm. We had a dad one time. We were talking about this concept and... <laughs> And he said, yeah, this is a problem for me because I use up all my immediate obedience on Legos.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah. I cashed
2: in so, so, my water already. This yeah. is, it, it's so important because this is where trust comes from. Like kids intuitively know Legos, cleaning up that mess is not worth that big, scary, intimidating energy from mom or dad. Yeah. They know somehow intuitively that's not it. So it costs us trust in our kids' eyes when we use that for the small things. Right. good. We want to earn trust. And the way that we earn trust around around the big things is by how we navigate the small things so that when when the big voice comes out of immediacy, our kids know it for what it is, believe it, respect it, trust it, and know that it's ultimately about our love for them.
0: You know, and as we wrap up and just take a minute or two, that was such a great segue to the idea of leaving a legacy of grace. Mm. Not a legacy of demands, yeah. and that's in the short term, and the daily interactions that yeah. we have with our kids. What does a legacy of grace look like versus a legacy of yeah. demands?
2: And as you say those words, Stacy, I feel a deep sadness mm. uh, based on the many voices of parents that I have heard say to me in the context of coming for help with their own kids, I don't want to be like my parents were to me. I never felt like I was enough. I never felt like I was valued. I never could do it quite right. I never could do it fast enough, good enough impressive enough. I felt like I was always a disappointment, and it's hard to overcome that. How do I build this new way into my kids when I haven't experienced it myself? And the starting place for the legacy is, as you referenced it earlier, the foundation of the framework that we teach. We've got to be parents who go to the Father to get our value, to get our identity, to know that there is nothing that we can do to measure up other than trust in the work of grace at the cross.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's where our value comes from, and that's where our identity comes from. And so then we can be freed to be relaxed, to be calm, to be safe with our kids as we build this legacy of grace into the work that we do to teach them about behavior, obedience, mm-hmm. the fruit of obedience in their lives. But the first place that, that I want my children to look still to this day is to my example. So it was Deeply meaningful to me just yesterday to hear my thirty-three-year-old say, "Dad, you're you're as gracious a human as I know."
1: Well, mm. well, yeah.
2: And uh, and then to watch him, even though he's struggling at a point in his life right now, and but to watch him live out grace for others.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely a legacy of grace. And I know that that's what I want. That's what I know our listeners want too. Thanks for this rich, rich conversation today, Jim and Lynn.
1: Yeah, our pleasure. It was our privilege. Mm
0: -hmm. Hey, friends, if you found this podcast useful... I want to be sure you know about two things. One is a reminder that our online course called Discipline Connects with Your Child's Heart is closing registration today. So be sure to head over to our website and get all the information. We only open it two times a year. I hope you go and register today. The second thing is that the conversation that Jim Lynn and I had today will continue. Every Monday over on the Clubhouse app, we have live conversations where you can just listen or you can raise your hand and ask a question. We would love you to join us over there on Clubhouse. We put links in the show notes for the discipline that connects with your child's heart online course and for Clubhouse. For more information about Connected Families, go to connectedfamilies.org.